Folks, we are back with another edition of the Red and White Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, here with my leopard skin wearing friend, Will. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, could be better, but uh, you know, I think I must have caught a cold up there in Charlottesville, sitting behind the bench and watching, you know, I don't know what to describe that as. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm good, man. What, boy, three and one. Has it ever felt this good? <laughs> it's a weird three and one season and i know you've got some thoughts about this game so how how do you feel after leaving this game and yeah let's 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 go with that how do you feel after leaving this leaving this game well what an experience my uh my wife went to uva and was telling me the entire ride up uh, up until the final seconds that UVA was going to get their ass kicked and doors blown out. Don't worry about it. Don't freak out. And uh, then we got the, you know, I was wearing my cardiac pack shirt from uh, home field and maybe, so maybe it's my fault. Um, but that game was, that was tough. Um, the, uh, <laughs> at one point in time, Evan must've been like the final minute. I was like, I got to go up. We were like on the, third row behind the bench. And I was like, I got to go up to the top of the section and just watch from there. I was like, I can't see anything. I'm, I'm like freaking out watching this. And I was like, what, whatever it was like 18 yards for them to get that, that two point conversion. I was like, no way this is going to happen. You know, proceed to walk up the steps, look back. And I said, Oh my God. Okay. It is what I thought. Um, high level. What I think about the game. Well, one, it's great to thank God. The kicking game is strong. Um, that Narvison, I, I, I'm, I am impressed that he was able to overcome that guy leaping over and blocking the kick and not letting it get in his head. Newcaster was awesome. I really wanted to keep shouting at Shimko and yell out buzzsaw. Cause I was just, I mean, Newcaster and Shimko, that's what I was watching half the game was these guys are literally just on the sideline, just constantly snapping to each other and practice kicking. And, um, so, you know, that was great. Um, very confusing environment. Uh, we had a lot of fans around me uh, trash talking Brennan Armstrong, but then we had other UVA fans threatening to fight those fans if they wouldn't shut up. And that was women who were talking about fighting men. So I was like, this is wild. What a wild environment. I had no idea what to expect when I got there. Um, so that was great. But uh, yeah, so like special teams is awesome. Julian Gray, great. Um, I don't know. I don't. I just rewatched it. I don't feel as bad about the offense in the fourth quarter as everyone else does. So maybe I'll, I'll pause because I've been ranting and I need to take another sip of my herbal tea here. So why don't you give your quick thoughts? My first thought is at least it's not NyQuil and you have a little bit more energy today. So that's, that's a win. Uh, I thought the fourth quarter offense was not great. That last drive, that the last drive I knew exactly how it was going. We're in the pod chat. I'm like, there is zero chance they throw the ball or that Brendan Armstrong throws the ball. And they went uh, run, Armstrong, drop back for pass, but he took off running twice. And I get it. It's it's what they were trying to do. To They weren't going to take any risks. After Armstrong threw that pick where, to me, I think Armstrong made the wrong read, not Vereen. I think it's debatable. The football uh, experts will be able to weigh in on that. I'm sure uh, Danford will have something to say on that later this week. I'm pretty sure he he made the wrong read. After that, I I felt like Armstrong was quick to tuck and run, as he is a a lot, especially towards the end of the game. And it's kind of fine. I think that's probably the safer play and and the right play in his mind. Like I I don't really want him slinging it around because I don't trust him that much, so I'd rather him run it. And I thought that's what it was. I thought they turtled. I'm going to try to find this quote. Alec Lower, formerly of the Red White Pod, now on his own um, his own site, had a really good quote that I saved. So I'm going to try to pull this up real quick because I don't want to butcher it. But um, yeah, can, can I just say though that that comment, right? That interception was in the second quarter, right? And from yeah, there, he, and from there, he threw a touch. A touchdown, yeah, right, and through, and then 
they, there was actually, it's just weird. You go back and watch it. I mean, in the moment, I think I must have blacked out. Like, I just, I could not remember anything from this game. And um, if you go back and watch it, right, there was um, multiple deep balls to Conception. Um, I still can't believe that Julian Gray pass wasn't P.I. Like, that was about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. We get that pass interference. I feel like it's game yeah. over. And it was a weird game because we would just be moving the ball down the field. And it just looked like we were in total control. And then, quite frankly, like just the UVA quarterback just kept making plays and keeping them in the game. Now, we had a couple flags, I think, that made things difficult on us, um, like offensive line and things like that with false starts. And it just wasn't a perfect game. And yet, as I was sitting there, especially after we got that second INT, I was like, okay, well, this game's over. Like, we're going to march down there. We proceeded to. We scored. And I was like, this is done. And then... Like, all the UVA fans were leaving. Like, I was like, this is it. We got this. And then they just wouldn't give up. It was the worst. It's the, it's the thing I hate the most is when a team doesn't realize they're beat and just keeps playing, you know? As a fan, I hate that. <laughs> uh, here's the quote. Doran loves to talk about playing complimentary football, which, for the record, is golden on the strategy. This sweet sequence at the end of the game was the antithesis of complimentary football, though. When your defense generates two turnovers in the fourth quarter of a one-possession game, and you still have to ask more of them, that is not complimentary. When it happens because of hyper hyper conservative play calling from outs, <laughs> I got to read this again. From when that happens because of hyper conservative play calling from inside of a metaphorical turtle shell, you're not even trying. I don't. I don't agree with that. <laughs> I agree 100 with that. The, the the series in particular he's referring to was. Uh, Delbert Mims up the middle, Delbert Mims up the middle, Brennan Armstrong keeper. And they went from one yard, two yard to two yards and punt. Yeah. I think it, pre- that is when, when you're running Delbert Mims at the end of the game, you're not trying to win. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, the previous drive before that, they did Delbert Mims, Delbert Mims. That got a first down. Michael Allen, one yard run, nothing. Passing complete to Conception, passing complete to, to Julian Gray, which was the PI, which would have extended it. So it was it was kind of weird because if you go back and watch those plays, like they had six plays the drive before that, kind of same thing. At Michael Allen run, pass incomplete, um, Brennan Armstrong run, Brennan Armstrong run, Brennan Armstrong run, pass incomplete to conception where he bombed it down the sideline. Like I don't I don't look at that bomb down the sideline as conservative. And like quite frankly, like Brennan Armstrong is really good at dropping back and then running. So I would have been fine with that. I think the problem is is just kind of like you're saying, it's just you'd get that we got the conversion a couple times and then we just, I mean, we got screwed on one and then we went for a deep shot and it didn't work out um, at the other. So it just, when you watch it back, it just doesn't seem that conservative to me. I think the craziest thing to me actually was once we had the lead and we were in the fourth quarter, we were still snapping the ball with like 18 to 20 seconds left on the clock. And at the time I was like, I feel like we are being aggressive because we could be killing this clock every single play and trying to milk this down. Instead, they were just kind of still moving at the same pace they were before. So that's why at least in the, at the game, I didn't feel like it was conservative. I actually felt like it was pretty risky at times. I mean, there's out passes were almost picked off, I think twice to uh conception. So it's like, I don't know. I, it didn't feel, I'm going to shut up. It didn't feel conservative to me. <laughs> No, I mean it's it's fun. I I think most people disagree. I I started to think, and and this is gonna change the topics a little bit. I watched it back, and I almost want to take back my take from last week. Like I know it's only one week, but I thought Brendan Armstrong was really bad in this game, and not particularly with his play, but more of his his reads and his tendency to. Tuck and run. I want to see more out of him. I think there's there's a couple plays in particular. There's a couple plays in particular that I think really show the disconnect there and what he should be doing, what he's actually doing. And Alec highlighted one of them too. It's one I had saved, but there was a high low route tree with Vereen and I think Lassane. And well, I already found the first problem. <laughs> we'll get to that too. The line he's, he's reading the linebacker linebacker breaks inside 
to move with the same leaves Marine open in the middle. And that's what Armstrong should have taken. And he throws, tries to force it underneath and it should have been picked. To be honest, it was a bad, bad decision, bad throw. I feel like there's a lot of those in this game. And I'm starting to wonder like why this offense isn't working. It seems to be, there's a lot of, a lot of that more so than what I was seeing in the first, first few weeks. And I start watching this game and thinking, maybe he is the problem. Or maybe he is a problem. I know there's some other problems, but I don't think he's been great. At the same time, his ability to tuck and run and, for the most part, stay in control is what Dave likes. So, I think we're in kind of a conundrum here where the... Dave wants to play you know, ball control football. He wants to win with his defense. But your defense isn't as good as it was last year to win you games like that. You need your offense to put pressure on the opposing teams. I don't think we have that capability. I don't think we're doing that or we're not playing like that if we do have that capability. So I think there's some kind of disconnect in what we're trying to do and what we can do. That's kind of where I'm at with this. Oh, mark it down on the record, September 25th, 1.50 p.m. Will Vasley said he is fine with Brennan Armstrong. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's the problem. I think the personnel is the problem. Like, he's going to make some bad throws, but he also made some really good good ones. And his ability to scramble. Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to yeah. overlook, like, conception. Like, going into that game, I think I was listening to, maybe it was IPS. They were kind of saying, like, hey, you can beat UVA by attacking them out of the slot and then the intermediate routes. Well, guess where Casey like ate everyone's lunch. It was over in that section. So my thing is just, it felt like we were hitting it hard at times throughout the game. Maybe we were setting something up and then you'd have a couple big plays. And again, you would just feel like the offense was just kind of rolling. And it was just like, it would be like two plays. UVA looked like UVA. And then all of a sudden it would be like the crowd got a little loud or whatever. And then they would just make a big play or we'd make a drop. Like, you know, I got a problem with the wide receiver rotations. I got a big problem there. Hold and I mean, I, I've got those numbers. Uh, yeah. I think it was this morning. I think I maybe I threw it up there. Maybe it was last week. Oh, here it is. Uh, routes ran last night. This is from IPS. Lassane, 31 routes. Conception. All right. Pause. Is it Conception or is it Conception? It's Conception as far as I'm concerned. Well, you just said it different, like three different times. So I'm trying well, to I'm sick, so was. give me a break. But <laughs> somebody uh, let us know how it's pronounced. He is, it is just like from um, Nacho Libre, where yeah. there's Encarnacion. It's Concepcion. That's, that's what I think. Concepcion. So Lesane 31, Concepcion 31, Gray 30, Rooks 24, Rosner 12, Timmons 10, Secret Weapon Penix 8, Vereen 6, Collins 4. Those last two are what I really have a problem with. Yeah. Can you post them in the chat so I see them again? Routes. He ran six routes when he's proven to be one of your better weapons. What I've, the hell are we doing here? That's well, I got a theory. Mind blowing to me. It's criminal. His mistake happened in the second quarter. And I think that's why that happened. Um I get it. I I not <coughs> I didn't excuse me. Um I didn't notice during the game. But others, I think that were there, said that uh, Anai ripped his ass out. <laughs> um, it looked like it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I will say, like, it was a bad sequence. Now, you can say that the pick was on Brennan. I, it's tough to tell, right? We don't know what it was called. It looks like he's trying to sit in the zone. Maybe Brennan doesn't see that it's zone. But the play before that is when he got the holding call that biffed up uh, again, backed us up, and threw us off schedule. And. It was just, I think there was just a couple times where they're like, we see the flashes and then we get angry at the mistakes. And my thing is like, well, that's your own fault because you have a big gap in recruiting talent. And quite frankly, like you're playing these younger guys because they are clearly more talented than the guys that are older than them. And so you're going to have these risks. And if you don't want to be yelling at this guy on the sideline, coach him up better. Like you guys are paid a lot of money. Uh, make it easier for these guys. Um, that goes for wide receiver coaching too. Like someone's going to be like, well, you know, Anthony Smith hasn't earned any reps. And I would say, well, maybe he's not being well coached because he clearly is faster than everybody. 
and you make him run deep routes. The balls are almost never on him. Yes, he makes some drops. Sometimes he makes some plays. Coach it up. Like, it's not always the player's fault. Very weird that everyone wants to say, well, so-and-so is not earning. I'd say coaches are also responsible for that. And, again, I think I'd rather roll with the younger guys and just bump up bump up their opportunities because I think they're going to have more good than bad, especially as the season goes on. Like these are the next few games where you can kind of push through it and grow. They're going to hit the wall at some point. I'd rather them hit it now and then see if we can get something out of them. But like, I, I don't know. Do you want me to like go rant on Keon Lassane and these guys? Keep going. Yes. Okay. That's, I was going to bring him up next. Should have transferred. <laughs> um, you know, Jordan, let me say this first. Jordan Houston, totally get it. Uh, I'd want to go play somewhere where I get to be the lead dog. And if I was told that I'd want to take my time off and get my last season, I totally get it. Um, that was a huge blunder by the staff. That conversation should have been had back in the spring. We could have had another portal running back or portal wide receiver or portal line or whatever you want. So you got a dead ship on the, on the roster right now, unless for some reason he decides to just come back and start playing. So that's one thing. Two, that same conversation should have been had with Keon Lassane. I don't understand why we have been trying to force Keon Lassane as an outside wide receiver. He is too short. He is not fast enough for that. He has great hands, but that does not overcome height and separation. He has a problem there. Could he be at slot? He's probably not better than KC, right? I've seen more in several games of KC than I ever saw with Lassane. And that's the problem is we seem to be beholden to playing these older guys, probably because we're afraid that someone's going to make a mistake. And so it's worked so far. You're three and one, but you are really inconsistent on offense. You are constantly cycling bodies in because you're trying to, I think, like win, you know, unique play by unique play instead of just having guys be pretty, pretty, really good at certain things. And maybe they're not going to be great. And I think that's caused all kinds of confusion for the quarterbacks. And I think it just all comes back to recruiting. If you go back and look at the 2018, 19, 20 and 21 classes, it's just it's a lot of bad. Um, I don't have it up in front of me right now, but if you go back and look at it, it's like you had Devin Carter and that was probably the one productive wide receiver out of that grouping. And then you had Provolon gone. You had Tabari Hines graduate gone, barely a factor. Yeah. Keon Lassane, you've got the Seabros, <laughs> you've got Crabtree. I just linked you the, I linked you your, your write down, your breakdown. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, let me um, blow everyone's mind by reading. Oh, now I got to go back and click on it and find it. Come on, man. You think this internet's that fast, Evan? Um, in Slack. Yeah, I know. It's good. Give it a second. It's loading up. But if you go back and look at it, and I'll read off all the names here when it finally loads back up. Um, it's just a lot of misses and guys that just didn't quite develop. Maybe they flashed initially and then they kind of sizzled out. Like a Porter Rooks is a good example of that. Is that because of playing time with Thayer Thomas? Is it just because he didn't develop? I don't know. Is it coaching? Is it the fact that we've had three OCs in the last like five years? There's all kinds of stuff that goes into this, but it's why we're a complete mess on offense. And if the staff, if the staff had just been a little bit more cold-blooded going into this offseason, especially after what they saw last year, they would have said, we got a talent problem. It's These are going to be tough conversations that we have to have but we have to sell, tell certain people to move on. And I get that some people have to stick around and be special teams players. I get it. But you're just constantly square pegging round hole. And you've got Rosner that you bring in that you obviously want to make a factor. And then you give him limited routes and you got Keon Lassane out there. And unfortunately he gets seven targets and two touches or two reception yards. Yeah. Passes behind him. Yeah. Paul ball was a foot too far for him, but is it a foot too far, too far for him? If he's got longer arms, I don't know. Like, that's my problem is we have made it so hard on ourselves. And we thought, oh, well, this is just a Beck problem or a Kitchings problem or whatever. No, it's a talent problem. We have a talent issue. And if Dave's going to stick around after this season, he needs to just unload some dudes and just go on the portal and say, hey, we got a bunch of money that we've been getting from all these auctions and all these raffles and blah, 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 blah. We got money. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Go out there and find good players. And not every player costs a ton of money. That's the other factor. Like, just go. I'm tired of being told we're poor. I'm tired of like the feel good stories. I want to just go win football games comfortably. End of rant. Maybe you didn't even read off your list. I um, it, it wouldn't load, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it. I'll get it after. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I think the clear lack of development and recruiting at level 
it overla- overlays with the, the Joker Phillips timeline, right? I mean, that's to me, that's where it's got to lie. That that responsibility has to fall on somebody, and you just have not developed anybody at one of these positions outside of the running backs. The basically the running backs have been good. That's it. I mean, even then, like I thought, yeah, and this we're getting way off topic. I thought person and uh, Bam were going to be way better than what they end up being. And I thought they were serviceable running backs, but I wouldn't put them in my top six NC State running backs of the last 20 years. Yeah, I'd call them productive. I I mean, productive maybe. I I, I don't know. That's my thing. It's like, are we all ACC? You know, I... You know, Bam could do it on the returns, right? So it's like you saw some aspirin. But I think you posted it maybe before the season started. Like the longest run we had from scrimmage with Bam Knight was not very far. And so it's just uh, it's just been weird. It looks like you've got some talent. And then it just f- sizzles. Like, I'm going to, I'm here, I got the list up. I'm going to leave the running backs off of this just to save some time. So Devin Carter in 2018 transferred, I'd call it a decent career. He's now at West Virginia. He had 1,900 yards and 10 touchdowns over four or five years with us. Josiah Provolon, the cheese man, transferred, gone. He went to Campbell, and then where was he? You sent me a picture this weekend, right? He's at Campbell. He's got one one catch for six yards this year. Tough, tough, tough news. Um, Trent Penix, I mean, always injured. I hate to say it, right? Even Dave Doran said before the game, uh, after BMI, BMI, he was like, well... You know, Trent's been out all offseason, basically, <laughs> and we're trying to get him back in shape. And I was like, oh, classic. So, again, 720 yards, <clears throat> eight touchdowns over five years, like just a real will he, won't he kind of player. Then you got 2019, you got Keon Lassane, who, as far as I'm concerned, has not broken out. 700 yards over four years, not not great. Debari Hines graduated 400 yards, not great. Cam Walker left the team. He was a tight end. Chris Tootle. Wide receiver converted to tight end. Limited production. Had one little blip in 2020 or 2021. Hasn't done anything this year. Jordan Houston transferred. Oh, sorry. I, I kept the running backs in. So 2020, Porter Rooks popped early, inconsistent ever since. Ant Smith, elite speed, never given slash earned reps, whoever you want to ask. Right? Uh, Jalen Coit, good punt returner so far. TBD on wide receiver. Josh Crabtree, non-factor. I think he's had a couple blocks in special teams. Chris Scott Jr., I hate to say it. What are we doing here? Like, he's not, it's not working. It's killing me. Um, 2021, Julian Gray, just starting to develop, I'd say, right? Just starting to get reps finally. Kickoff returns, great. Maybe is going to be a factor in the wide receiver game. Micah Crowell, Crowell, wide receiver converted to running back. So he's not a factor at wide receiver, and he's not playing anyways. And then you have the Seabro twins. That's two bodies that aren't doing anything right now. Jacoby Baldwin, wide receiver. Non-factor so far. I don't know what the deal is there. Probably special teams. And then you get to 2022. Terrell Timmons, late contributor last year, but, you know, nothing this season. Like, it's just not given the opportunity, it seems. And then Daryl Jones, right? That didn't work out. I mean, little flash and then nothing. And then you get to 2023. You got Vereen. You got KC. You got Dakari Collins and Bradley Rosner. Three of those guys are giving being given some opportunity. One more than everyone else. But I just read you that whole list of dudes. Who from the older group sounds like they should be getting a ton of reps? None. Right? That's the problem. That's years of a gap. And now someone's going to say, well, you had a Mezzi and Thayer and Carter. So what? You shouldn't have been stockpiling guys behind them that are ready to go. We had to, we had to go to those guys, quite frankly, my opinion, because of everyone I just listed off. Nothing was special behind them. So those guys got a ton of reps. So we kept hearing about Thayer and Porter Rooks in particular. Well, you know, Porter Rooks is really good, but he can't get in front of Thayer on the depth chart. Porter Rooks can't get in front of KC on the depth chart at the moment. It's That's a tough look. And he's your highest graded uh, skill position player we've had in the last, I guess, since you know, excluding Jonathan Paler, who's next year, but in the last five or six years. Yeah. What do they always say? Right. Like recruiting rankings only matter until August when they get there or January. (laughs) So that's the problem, right? Is if, if it's your results, once you arrive, not your rankings, where are the results from this group? And are you giving them opportunity to develop? Again, my problem is like, I love Ant Smith. 
I just love that he can actually stretch the field. And when I'm sitting there watching KC have to go run like his, like <laughs> trying to get his like 17th target of the game down the sidelines or Keon Lassane down the sidelines. I'm just, you know, I'm just like sitting there going, there's a dude who I'm literally staring at 20 feet away from here. Who's dancing. His dance moves look faster than anyone can run on this team. Like why, why is this guy not even out there? Even as a decoy, like it would just open stuff up and I don't get it. And I don't know if we get to blame Joker, but in the end it's Dave's team. It's Robert's offense. This is what they've chosen to do. And it's, like a struggle bus out there. And I just don't think you can really scheme your way out of it. I give like, I have to give Beck credit, you know, like considering what he did and I'll give an eye credit. I think maybe they're just too concerned to have like the, the riskier guys out there with drops, but like, well, saying seven and two, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not translating right now. So, there's got to be a way to reduce these rotations down. Dave said it after the game. He was talking about reducing the playbook. Um, yeah, if I was that means, to find this quote. yeah. So if that means bringing less people on, right? Like just you know, run, trying to get peak out there, Mims out there, Jones out there. Like just every, maybe he's trying to say we got to specialize less and then let the group handle it. Um, so maybe that's what he's thinking, and maybe that's a nice PC way for a coach to say, like, we got to cut this thing down, but it's, it's years after years, right? We've seen them. So here, here's two quotes from Dave in regarding um, the offense. One in particular uh, on its, on his concerns following tonight's game. And this is what Dave said, having a consistent run game right now, it's been inconsistent. We've got to narrow some things down. We've tried a lot as you get into the season. Like I told you, Anaya is going to start. <clears throat> here's what here's what we're good at. Here's not. It's just being consistent and being efficient with the run game. This offense has a lot of parts to it. There's a lot of new pieces playing it. It's just being more efficient throughout the game, doing some things that are based off what we're doing, be able to adjust some things that off how that goes. We're doing better. It's kind of a nothing answer. I was trying to think, where's the other one? He said he needed to... Uh, simplify the playbook and reduce what they're doing, which you were just talking about. Um, it was probably after he told us to stop bitching as fans. And well, um, so that was gonna, I was gonna get to that. And this is <laughs> this is a quote that I didn't like the most. Um, on offense, we lost the running back in the second to last day of the week. I'm talking about Jordan Houston, we get out there, and then all of a sudden, Kendrick Raphael gets hurt. Those things are real. People want to bitch at the play calling. And this and that and the other. And there's stuff going on, man. We found a way to win on the road against an inspired football team. Shit, be happy we won. It's a good win. I'm excited to go home 3-1. I'm getting ready to play Louisville. And there's two things. One, I hate that because it's your job to understand why people are bitching, right? You just played one of the worst teams in the ACC that everybody's been saying all week. You are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. You should just... You should pounce this team. It shouldn't be close. Like, it's your job to understand why people are bitching. And second, stop acting offended when people question why you're playing down to an opponent again. Right? This is the same thing we've seen over and over again. I just I don't like his, I don't know. I don't say demeanor, but I just, I just don't like those answers, man. It just... <clears throat> Somebody else commented in the pod jam we were talking about this, and I saved it because I thought it was good. He said, a coach that says, hey, I'm just happy we won when your team didn't look look good is a coach that will never consistently compete for championships. He may win, but the program will have a we are pretty good ceiling because the leader of the program has been committed to – because the leader of the program has to be committed to being absolutely perfect. I always always think of Saban losing his mind on a false start of 90-0 – 90 to nothing against Charleston Southern. That's what makes him great. Not being a crusty older guy, but an expectation that here at Bama, we don't do that crap. We need a coach. <clears throat> we need a coach that'll take us to here at NC state. You'll play at a high level or you will sit. And I, I agree with that. Like simplifying that down. is just what we've been saying for a long time is demand better, demand more. Don't be, Oh, we're happy. We won. We're happy to get out of tough Charlottesville with a win. Come on, man. That's just, that to me doesn't sit right. 
Yeah. And I, you start losing people when you start acting like that, I think. And I think you're you're gonna lose the enthusiasm if the be happy you won is is where you're at. Yeah. No, I'm not I'm not happy. We heard all offseason we brought an an eye to be dynamic. We brought in, you know, we got some skill players to, you know, change the offense, but you're still running through the same rotational issues we saw last year. Last year was just different. We played more tight ends last year and things like that. And you're like, why are we playing these guys? Put some speed in the field. This year now we're playing the older guys. Lesane is just taking the brunt of it. But there are other guys that, you know, should be in there and play. Let them make their mistakes and go. And and learn from it. Take the, the good with the bad in with some of these young guys. It's super frustrating to me. Yeah. I would say one, uh, I totally support him saying he's happy they won. I would be way more upset if we lost that game. So sure. yeah, like I will give credit where credit's due. They look pretty calm, cool and collected for that 38 seconds or so to get down there, move the ball. They looked like they had a plan, tried it out. Now, the one thing I will say is like, I was furious is Dave Dorn does this all the time. He did this against wake a few years, might've been last year when the defense is clearly gassed and has their hands up before the ball is being snapped and clearly doesn't know what you're being at, what they're being asked to do, just call the timeout. You burn the timeout, the play after, because they had like a 40 yard gain after that down to like the 10 or the five or whatever it was. And I was just sitting there just like, this is the kind of stuff that he has not learned from. Like sometimes you just got to say, screw it. I'm going to call the timeout. I'm going to get everyone set. Let's, let's kill this team now. So like there's, there's some improvement there on his part, but look, Jordan Houston leaving two days before the game. Like, I get it. That would be really annoying, but that's your fault. He shouldn't have been there. You should have gotten rid of him. Like, I hate to say it, but like, you got to start doing that. That's the, that's the day and age. You can't sit here and take transfers and then be like, well, I'm not going to shove someone out that clearly hasn't been producing for multiple years. Like they, I feel like they got the, they got hooked on those little first season pops of certain players. And they were like, okay, these guys are gonna be awesome. Let's just let them sit here for six years. It's not, that's, that's your fault, man. Like, I don't know what to say about Devin Betty having a baby this week and not practicing. Um, those are your life choices. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to sit there and cry a river for you, Dave. Like yeah. shit happens. So in the end, it's like, why shouldn't a fan complain? Why should a fan just be happy and satisfied with a W? Like, I get it. Like, five years from now, we'll look back and say whatever the total wins this year, right? We'll be like, well, at least we had that win at at Charlottesville. But, like, I bet four or five years from now, if Dave Dorn is still here, people are still going to be talking about this game. Just like they talked about those weight games. Just like they talked about the ECU game. The um, Louisiana Tech game. Like, there's just been some butt-puckering moments that don't really need to happen. And there's only been one constant over the 11 seasons, and it's the head coach. So some self-evaluation there, please. Um, I just somebody I can't asked stand me this past weekend. Yeah, somebody asked me this past weekend to explain. <laughs> this is unrelated. Explain the air raid offense, and so we started talking about it. And I, you know, I, what it came down to was uh, its simplicity. Right, well, it works because it's simple, and. Nothing about our offense right now feels simple. It is a absolute grind on every to get every yard to get every you know point. It's just it just nothing feels easy. And I thought what we'd get from a nye is a simplification of all right. This seems to be working. Let's do more of this in different ways, right? That's what we talked about. A nye likes to run the same things from different formations, and. Which is yet to see any of any of that from this offense. For whatever reason it is, just everything feels like a grind. Nothing is easy. And I think that's that's why fans are frustrated, because it's it's the same thing we've seen before. It's just a different, you know, it's the same story, just different parts to the story. I don't know yeah. what it is, but you go out there and you watch, you know, these other you watch Washington State or Kansas or Kansas State or just some random ass school. With a coach who's been there a lot shorter time, you know, two, three years in most of those cases, have a more productive and consistent offense. And I just kind of kind of shake my head like, why? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's what's the issue here? Why is it always got to be so hard? And is it purely a talent thing? 
And I think yeah. Armstrong is good enough to, you know, run a capable offense. I just, I don't, I don't know what's happening. You, you would think he would have this offense down, but there's something that's just disconnected but the the whole, the whole thing of it, whether it's Dave's influence on it or, or not, or just the lack of talent, maybe I, there there's pieces of it that just every year I'm just like, why is this such a grind on offense? Yeah. And we've yet to score 31 points. You know, they, they that was their goal. I want to score 31 a game. Oh, we've yet to do that with offense. They got, to, they got the special teams touchdown previously. Wait, wait, wait. And wait, then you wait. go watch. Are you sure we didn't get it in the VMI game? Yes. Correct. Oh, three and one. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, here's, I got just a couple thoughts on why I think it's a grind. Um, one, you're constantly changing the personnel. I have to imagine that's exhausting as a quarterback, like throwing to different people, different speeds, different catch radius. Like, I think that, I think there's some factor there. That's one. Two, I think guys are out of position. Keanu Sane should be an inside receiver, a slot receiver. He should not be on the outside. Two. Three, could you have imagined a worse starting four opponents for NC State and I and Brendan Armstrong? UConn played both NC State and Syracuse last year, got all season to prep. So I kind of threw that one out as a weird game. Two, then you come and play Notre Dame, who has played a Robert and I offense, I think, three straight years. Or maybe there was one gap in between there. And then, and also, pretty good team, it looks like, even though they, I mean, they're so good, they can almost win with 10 people on the field. Um, three, then you have to face UVA, who has plenty of information can, on your quarterback and an I. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just let me finish. So, what I'm saying is, I'm really curious to see now that we're through that grouping, do things look a little bit better against Louisville, Marshall, others that don't have a ton of familiarity with this grouping? That's what I'm no. really curious about because I'm, I'm 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 just trying to wait out these two games before I've come down on the like we're doomed feeling. Well, to make it feel worse, the next game Louisville, Jeff Brown played. Oh my God, you're right. Purdue last year played Syracuse last year when he's at Purdue, so. <laughs> It, 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 it's not going to get any easier if you're looking at it from that angle. Right? It, it doesn't. We're domed. The point. <laughs> <laughs> it just, we don't look like a sound football team, right? And we're this far into his tenure. And I know everybody, ah, you're 11, whatever. It's, you watch Duke go up to UConn and just absolutely manhandle them. And you're like, why, why can Mike, Mike Elko have this? have his football team a more sound and, uh, you know, just all around better football team right now than where we are. And that's what I keep coming back to. Like I always, y'all, y'all have heard me say this over and over again. I want to be Utah. And it's not because Utah is dominating people. Utah is just consistent. I, I idolize their consistency. They're always, you know what you're going to get with Utah. They're going to come in the big games. They're going to play hard. They're going to, you know, do the things they need to do when they're not going to beat themselves. Like that's, I don't think that's much to ask, but we just, every year we are not there yet. And now I'm looking at Duke being closer to Utah than we are. And I'm just like, what in the hell is happening? Why are we here? And I start to think for all the credit we give the staff on their talent evaluation and development, there's a large chunk of it that they're missing on. So they might hit on some, but they're missing on the majority. And I, that's anecdotal. I haven't looked at any of the numbers, but it just, it sure feels like that. And I'm just watching these teams perform each week. And it just, uh, why are we not a sound football team? Why is everything a grind? Mm-hmm. I hope they simplify the offense. I hope they do something that makes things work better or makes people more comfortable or gets Brendan Armstrong what's he need, what he needs to see. But the fundamentals and the basics are just, it's just such a grind, man. And it, it feels like that watching the game. And and for Dave to be out there I'm like, why are people bitching and moaning? Like, you gotta you gotta read the room. You gotta know better. Yeah. I that's kind of where I am on this. It's like it's it's frustrating to watch. It's a win. I get it, but you know, we can be critical of it. 
I'm happy we won, but at the same time, the reality setting in that we're not just not very good. I don't think is it's a tough pill to swallow. I think we're just average, and we're making ourselves average by some choices we're making. Um, and I think we could. <sighs> I think we could have like a little bit more explosive upside if they played other guys. And I yeah. think they just really need to, you know, I just put in the chat. I was like, my conspiracy theory is they played all the old guys to prevent any of them from transferring for, you know, depth effect. Um, they just couldn't trick uh, Jordan Houston long enough. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, part of, part of the issue is the offensive line. It's just not been that good for years and it's worse and it's thin. And, you know, maybe we should have brought someone in, in the, from the transfer portal there that's not as concerned with his mullet and things like that. Like there's parts of me where I'm just like, I feel like we just made some really colossal mistakes in the portal this off season. And I just think there's bodies out there. Like I could, I could probably cut three guys from the wide receiver room. You could have cut someone from the running back rotation. You could have cut one or two people from the tight end room. And there you've got six people at least that you could have backfilled with Offensive linemen, wide receivers, bodies, older depth bodies. Maybe guys, you know, like, oh my gosh, who was it? The center from Alabama, Southern Alabama. We talked about this last time. We were like two or three pods ago that we brought in the transfer. Um, wasn't schooly. Oh, my God. The transfer center from University of South Alabama. Do you remember his name? You wanted to get him on the podcast. Why do we do this every time? I keep forgetting this dude's name. And <laughs> he was a bunch of them. But he was good. Like, there's a bunch of them that, yes, like self, it wasn't cell phone. Cell phone. It was uh, cell phone. It was it cell phone? phone. I was thinking yeah. the other guy. Like, those guys are out there. Coach you probably didn't have to pay him $100,000 to be here. Yeah. And that's what drives me nuts is like, there, there was opportunity to help this team out. And I just don't know how they sat there after last season and kind of watching the struggles. Yeah, a lot of it was quarterback related, but they knew a bunch of people were leaving from defense. They knew they had to get better on offense and they just didn't make those choices. And the problem is, is like, again, I feel like we have improved in recruiting the last two cycles. Like now that we've got NIL and we're cheating on board or above board, however you want to call it. Now that we're all playing the same game, you've seen the recruiting pick up and certain skill players are finally picking us. The offensive line class that came in last year and one or two guys the year before that, that's probably going to be like the starting five going forward, but they're still just too young. So it's like, you see, it's just like they realized too late. And now we're having to feel the effects of a 2019 type season where, you know, now we're getting concentrated injuries at safety. Kind of like we did with DB that year, right? Like how long can you hold out? You're only going to win those games if you start trying to get more explosive. So I think they just got to bite the bullet and play some guys that, you know, it's probably going to kill them internally as coaches, but they need to just, you know, you need to put a bigger body guy out there like Collins. You got to put Ant Smith out there, someone that can stretch the field. And then you got to just hammer Rosner, KC, Vereen, and just fucking hope it works out. Because what you're doing right now is not going to work in the back end of the schedule. You're not going to beat Clemson. You're not going to beat Miami. You're not going to beat North Carolina. I hate to say it, but like you can't keep playing like this. And I don't know, man. I just think it's kind of BS to come out there as a coach and be like, everyone's bitching and complaining and it's our fault for not being grateful when you've been here 11 yeah. years. And there's a lot of these mistakes that are from years ago that are here now that you could have quite frankly cut out and replaced with older bodies. Yeah. Maybe they wouldn't be as good. Maybe they had no upside, but they would have been older dudes and older dudes in their final year or two, they play harder. And that's the problem. It's like, Offensive line, like we could have made some changes and we didn't. Here we are. I don't know. I'd like to see us, and I agree. I'd like to see us be more inventive. I'd like to see us manufacture touches for certain guys. Like Julian Gray is just something else with the ball in his hand. Why are we running, you know, Lesane on these slant or drag routes when you could be throwing it to Julian Gray? I don't understand. And so I'd like to see a little bit more simplification from the offense. I'd like to see him being a little bit more creative and manufacture some touches for guys that can play and be, you know, less transparent with, you know, Demarcus Jones and Jacarius Peak coming in. Well, we're probably going to run the ball or, or we're probably going to pass the ball because they're into block. Uh, you know, it's just very, 
I, I want to see a little bit more. I think people will stop bitching if we see some kind of flow and some kind of rhythm from the offense, but we just have it there. And I, you know, I, I like Salty Dave, but I think Salty Dave's just wrong in, in this case. Like, I just think he's off. He's missing the mark. This is whiny. So, that, that was whiny Dave. The rest of the interview was Salty Dave, but that one comment was just like, cover my ass, Dave. And I didn't, just didn't appreciate it. It's just like, take your lumps. You, you won. You, I agree. You can be happy, but don't. Look, man, I drove up there and sat in that rain with you, man. It sucked. It was not fun to watch. So I'm sorry that I've spent a lot of money the last few weeks and been a little frustrated with the output. My bad. You make $5 million. Cry me a river. Yeah, agreed. There was some good. I really liked uh, Caden Fordham. I think he's fantastic. I think I I was calling him mini Peyton Wilson. And then he goes and makes a mini Peyton Wilson mistake by pushing that guy out of bounds. Like That's what young Peyton Wilson would have done. I thought it was he Peyton. plays. Yeah. I mean, they, they look, they look very similar with their body type and they play. Uh, I, I really like how Caden Ford plays Julian Gray. Obviously we talked about Casey is unbelievable. I think he's got a lot of Tory Holt in him. He's smooth in and out of routes. And you know, you can see, you can see it pays paying off. He's ACC rookie of the week this week, you know, uh, Armstrong threw for 180 something yards and Casey had 116 of them. Um, the interception that, um, Fitzgerald came in, you know, we lost a bunch of safeties. Fitzgerald, they put him at safety. He said he hadn't taken a single snap there at, uh, free safety or strong safety. He was, and he comes in just makes an athletic play to break up a ball and tip it to Sean Brown who makes a great catch. I mean, great interception there. Um, you just start to see like there's, there's some talent there and we are, we, all this complaining we're doing about the offense. We don't do it about the defense because you see those, you see the things that are supposed to happen, right? They might not be as dominant as they have been, but they're putting the athletes on on the field and they're you know making plays. Now they're going to give up some plays. Some of the young guys, that's what happens. But you know, it's uh, I, I want to see the same thing from the offensive side. I just I, we all have more faith in Tony Gibson what he's doing with the defense right now than I think any part of the offensive side of the ball and I think that's that's not very uh, complimentary right it's not complimentary football yeah so I would also just all right maybe, we'll leave it at that hold Go on ahead. hold on I was just gonna say you know I don't know if it was obvious on the broadcast or not but like Davin Van came off hobbled and had to kind of force his way through it so. The last couple of plays in those sequences, I think he got back out there on one or two of them, but I thought that was a factor. And again, like you cannot win having safeties. You can't win very often having safeties that have no experience back there. Um, yeah. So it's just going to be have something we have to monitor. I saw Ashford was on special teams last night or not last night on mm-hmm. Friday. So maybe he's closer to being back up. And again, I think to me, Boykin was in, he was in the tent for a long time, but he was clearly trying to test out his lower body. And, you know, maybe it was just a game time decision, but I, I don't think he's gone unless something's been reported. So maybe we'll be okay there. But can we at least just talk about UVA screwing up so hard? Like, I mean, do they have wahooing? Is that like what they call it? Like, <laughs> hey, I like, I, I, fine. We're on the, we finally got the good end of that, right? Um, yeah. We finally, we got the, the positive end of NC State shit. I have I no problem with that. with that to make everyone feel better. That would have made Dave feel better. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I really like that Virginia it. quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Calandra kid. He is nails. I think he made some, some mistakes obviously, but I'm glad we don't play him at the end of the year and he's going to be, he's going to be tough when, yeah. In a couple yeah. of years, man, that kid, that kid's got it. I was trying to, um, do Wolfpack therapy session with the UVA fans around me uh, at the end of that game. And I was just like, you guys have a quarterback. You'll be fine. They're like, yeah, but we got this coach and he sucks. And I was like, well, he'll be gone. But, uh, you know, boy, Tony Elliott, not a good coach. That's all I'll say there. Also, props at Des yeah. Kitchings. Great game plan, man. That dude must have been thinking about this defense for three years or whatever it was because, boy, did he come ready and he was just going, throwing like the whole kitchen sink at it. So, you know, props to Des. Um, that was a pretty good good game plan on his part. But yeah, Kalandria is, <laughs> he just got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I love the fact that uh, 
the game is saved basically because he hits the ground, his helmet comes up over his eyes, so he can't see if they caught the ball. So he takes the thing off, and then that's what leads to that stupid sequence of him standing there doing the like he had to have been doing the golf cart meme guy, right? Like No, I think he was just flexing. Oh, okay. Just- man, it was just so eerily similar to it, and that just coming out, I was just like, man, that's just I love this kid. But also the weird thing I'm gonna say about UVA going to these games. In between the the plays, they have all of these like player broadcasts in the stadium, commercials, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I was like sitting there going, I was like, this is like what a unserious football team does. It's just like goofing off, telling jokes, having a good time. And I was like, these guys are used to losing and they just want to make you feel good about the guys out there. And so I was looking at that and I was just like, you know, I was like, this is a team that's not going to win uh, very many games because it's just. It's it was like too too goofball, too self reflective. I don't know what to call it. Um, but I was just like I, I, I don't know. Also, thank you number fifty one or whoever it was for headbutting us. That was great. Um, thank you for just the all time epic collapse. My heart was about to explode, and then we kicked that field goal, and I said, "Boom shakalaka." We didn't cover, and uh, moved on. So that's how I feel about the UVA experience. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else? Um, should we talk about Louisville? Are they good? No, we'll talk about that later in the week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think everybody should be. Uh, Louisville is a four-point favorite, two-and-a-half-point favorite, something like that. Louisville's favorite coming into Carter-Finley, and they have a – Big play running back who is averaging 9.8 yards to carry and is very explosive. So, tell you right right now, that'll be the difference maker in there, stopping that guy. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that later in the week. Um, we just wanted to get this Virginia stuff out. So, um, yeah. Tony, you got to stop these explosive plays. <laughs> that's why. Yeah. It is yeah, every it, game now. It's killing me. Yeah, it, that's – we need to make we can't make them on offense, so we need to stop them on defense. That's kind of where we are. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week to talk some Louisville, and hope you all have a good week. Go pack. Go pack. I was raised by the